All right, guys, I'm here. We just got done filming the podcast. I'm here with Jesse Pimpinella. I got a cigarette right now. That was amazing, baby. That was amazing. That was, you gave good pod. You gave good pod. Thank you. Thank you, baby. Uh, so the listen to it. What we talked about, we talked about his start in comedy, uh, a lot of his accolades, his good shows, his bad shows, what's changed about his writing, his merchandise. We talk about all of it, all of it. Um, and Jesse, anything you want to say? I want to say, listen to this podcast. It's amazing. Because you know why? Because listening, it just feels like you're hanging out with us and having a good time. And that's what it's all about, is hanging out and having a good time. Yeah, man. Hanging out. Having good times. My voice is going out because we got crazy on this podcast. I have a cup full of honey. We're in a parking lot doing this thing. We made the whole car real steamy. Nobody yes. knows what's going on. No one knows what's happening except you. Just hit play and listen. Some good hard pod. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Have fun. Thanks for listening. Did we get it? Nope. Now we did. We oh, got it. Okay. Now- All right. I am here with Jesse Pimpinella, who is making the licking sounds because he's chugging honey as we speak because he was losing his voice. So uh, it, it'll probably be a short podcast, I think. I don't know. Maybe. He talks so much. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um <laughs> Five minutes ago, I told Jesse, hey, man, just be quiet. That Don't say right. anything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for five minutes, that way you can rest up your voice so we can do this. And he goes, yeah, okay, by the way. And then he talked for five minutes straight. Insert life story. Um, so Jesse really has a hard time not talking. Uh, but I think that's why stand-up comedy is a good good fit for him. Um, and let's... <laughs> Let's go. Uh, let's go into it real quick. How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? Uh, consistently through the years. Hats to be going on eight this year. Uh, but I've been writing since I was twelve and performing sporadically since I was twelve to the age of eighteen. But I don't count those years because, you know, you can't say you have a good workout regimen if you only do it three times a year. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for a workout guy like you, you understand that whole idea. No, explain to me more. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. going to mansplain working out to you right now. Please do. What yes. do biceps do? Biceps, they pull. No. They push. Uh, they pull women. What? 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 No. Oh, my God. Um, Hacky jokes. Actually, that's one of Jesse's favorite things. We'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, let's But do so that. he's been doing comedy... Um, pretty consistently for about eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a lot of clubs. You've done some casinos. You've done some colleges. It's like go into um, uh, some of the the things that you've done, so that way people trust the fact that I <laughs> you you should be talking on here. Um, I uh, started out in a small pizzeria. From there, got discovered by a local comedy club in my local town. From there, met a bunch of headliners and features that I toured with. Uh, currently tour with uh, Johnny Lee Dam, who is my mentor, my good friend, and he's a hilarious headliner. Uh, the disgruntled clowns, another person I want to uh, say his name because he helped me out. They got me working the circuit, so I got to work casinos, franchises like Bonkers Comedy Club across the nation. Uh, then I got to appear on CBS, uh, thanks to uh, Christy from Good Medicine Productions, and still to this day, I currently write for BuzzFeed. Uh, and mostly I, I stay touring and working because, uh, I love touring. I like working. I like going to different cities, seeing how everybody else in America lives. Cause I think we forget America's a big, big place. And the little piece that we're in isn't the world. We kind of live in a bubble. So when you get out of that bubble and you see the rest of the world, your mind opens up and you, and you uh, you think you're, you're more clear. 
you know, and you're more um, just amazed at the, what great country we live in. Yeah, a lot of people forget that, like, I mean, Texas is, like, the size of, like, five European countries. Like, we, our entire country is massive, and there's so many different oh. ecosystems. Not ecosystems, whatever. Oh, yeah, They're, I would go there. Yeah, but, ecosystems. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the type of people you see in every area is way different, um, especially, like, we're in Columbus, Ohio right now, which is, you know, is, is a big city, but then it's literally, like, this sea of red around us where it's, like, a lot of rural areas and everything yeah. else. Um, and so you got like a very liberal city and uh, very conservative areas mm-hmm. outside of it. And you have got like a lot of working class and different aspects of that. And I know when you you started touring a little bit that you had this weird thing go on where you were like, oh, crap, I'm used to people like performing to yeah. people in cities. Now I'm performing for people who like worked outside in construction all day or did yeah. like that. They were coming after like drinking and like being like, oh, my week's been rough. I've my hands are almost broke. Yeah. Like you, you very different crowds. Um, what, what was the, uh, adjustment period like for you? Rough. It was rough. Uh, cause I went from blue collar town to city and then back to blue collar town. And I wasn't, uh, and so I wasn't used to it, you know? And, uh, when I went back to doing rural towns, I wasn't, I lost my skill level at it. And it was a rough time because, you know, it was connecting. You know, you want to connect with a bunch of strangers every single night doing stand-up. I mean, it's almost a very narcissistic idea that I could go to any place in this country, start telling jokes, and be funny. I mean, that's crazy. Because here's the thing that's different between comedy and being the funny guy. The funny guy at the office can be funny naturally. But the comedian, I need you to be funny Friday at 7 p.m. sharp. Can you do it? And can you do it consistently for the next half hour from that point on? Oh, every 15 to 20 seconds, you better get a laugh from him. Yes. It all... Or else it feels real bad in the room. Yes. Yeah. And and, and, and on top of that, you got to get a, stra- a bunch of strangers to like you, be on your side, no matter what your views are in life, and come together. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a big friend tryout. Yeah, it, it is. It's a big friend tryout. <laughs> and uh, and I love those audiences. I love working uh, small rural areas because you know what? They, they appreciate it. They love it. And they're the sweetest people you'll meet. They really are the sweetest people. They're nice. All right. You don't have to brown nose your audience this I much, okay? Will. Oh, I brown nose all my audience. Let me tell you something. If you pay to see me, I love you. Oh, I, I'll, I'll, I, won't, I won't sugarcoat it. I love you. Oh, yeah. We, we love anybody that supports us. And that's that. that's a huge thing. Um, that. You buy my merch, I love you. You listen to me tell a joke, I love you. Okay. Tell them what your merch is real quick. I sell a koozie, a beer koozie that says, would you hold me? And it's uh, it's a fun little merch, and it sells all the time, and I enjoy it. Yeah, can they uh, get that on your website? Uh, they can, uh, but it, it, it's better if they catch me seeing it live, so you know what the joke is. Because yeah. the best part about buying that piece well, of merch, well, it's an inside joke. Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like plug something for you. What is your website that they could buy it at? Let oh. me let me say it like that and S- nudge you with my elbow so you subtle, get it. Subtle, subtle, very subtle. Jesse Just like Pimpin the B and subtle, neither of us pronounce. <laughs> jessepimpanella.com j-e-s-s-e pimpanella as in pimp i-n-e-l-l-a dot com okay now that we were or just google it so under the radar with that um sometimes subtlety is bullshit you gotta get right to it get to the jugular oh yeah no i uh i got a couple of jokes about that but um (laughs) Specifically, so you you've been touring, you've been doing it for eight years. What what got you into comedy? I like asking people that. Like, what what got you into it? What kept you doing it? And we'll go to a couple of different questions. Okay, so I like jokes. I like knock knock jokes. Um, two sto- 
two tiny quick stories. Second grade, I did uh, a stand-up performance doing knock-knock jokes. Honest to God. I didn't know that was a certain art form until uh, my big TV at my family's house went out, and we only had one TV. And we had this little car TV with the VHS tape player connected to it. And we recorded something on Comedy Central, but it caught Ron White's uh, Comedy Central Presents. And I was watching this guy just tell jokes, stories, and getting people to laugh. And I'm like, oh, this is actually an art form. I was hooked, wrote jokes, performed sporadically. Finally, I went to my first official open mic. I did it. And once you get that first laugh, you know more than anybody. Once you get that first laugh, you've been bitten. And there's no coming back. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the closest I can get to understanding what addiction is. It really is. It's the closest I can get to. I mean, I don't get on stage. I get I get cranky. Oh, yeah. You got to big... get some stuff off your chest. Uh, yeah. I got, like, I, tonight, I just came off stage. That's why my voice was a little hoarse. I got a cup full of honey. I was getting some things off my chest, and I had a blast. That audience was great. Yeah. No, I, uh... Yeah, no, obviously, so the, the feel of the laugh, how great that is, that's kind of keeping you doing it. Obviously, you've had some hard times, though. Um, and I, I just anybody's comedy career, the one of the things I think that's fun to joke about is, like, bombs and, <laughs> um, like, what what was your favorite bomb? Because, like, in the moment, they all suck. But when you look back at it, you're like, oh, man, when I bombed that one time, that was hilarious. All right, so... This this is this is a bomb that takes the course of two days. Oh, perfect. Okay, so Youngstown State is where I went to college, and they had something called Youngstown's Got Talent, the knockoff of America's Got Talent. Oh. You go in, I do an interview, and they're recording it. Something like, oh, they're gonna see if they they're gonna accept me, and they're asking me the cheesy question, like, why did you start doing comedy and stuff like like the cheesy. Hey, I asked you that. <laughs> I Shut know, up, right? I know. I'm just because I rude. Like, I could ask you mean questions. I know. I'm a crappy person to interview. Yeah. Look, I found anyways. out. <laughs> Gross. Anyways. Mean person. So, and I did my stand-up, and I had to do a specific set. It was clean, because at the time, I was going, I, I, I was under a lot of pressure and scrutiny. If I had done anything in public that would be inappropriate, I could lose a lot of scholarship funding. <laughs> so. So there was actually money on the line. There was mo- there was uh, a couple thousands of dollars on the line here. I needed. Woo! That's more than most comics ever yes. put on the line. Yes. So I had to. Uh, so night of the show starts right, and uh, I'm first up, which is never good for a comic. Never no, 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 up. no. You gotta like warm up the audience and everything. They yeah. gotta get and, into the comedy mood. You're and, yeah. And they did it cold. They did it cold. So they just threw me up there, and they're like, whoa, 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 wait. You can't go up yet. I'm like, yeah, I can. They just said my name. No, no, no we gotta play your uh, montage. What? Apparently, a thing where they were filming my interview and my stand, and the, that was the they were filming my montage. So I had one of those douchey confessionals that you see at the beginning. Of America's Got Talent. Like America's Got Talent. You can always bet somebody's parent, someone's family member's dying of cancer. That's always happens. You're always gonna get one cancer person, one person that deals with addiction. Like I didn't have that confession. I'm like, well, I just like comedy, you know, because of the wrong white stuff and. Then, and I think I'm pretty interesting. <laughs> just, so, like, before you go on stage, you're basically, they basically play, like, a brag clip. Like, yes, I think I'm funny. I think people like me. I think they'll all like me. And that's, like, what they play in front. So, like, you talked yourself up yes. for the audience. And yeah. I was only a, a barely a few months in when I was doing this. So, like, you know, your stand-up, like, you get a laugh, like, every minute. Yeah, and you're killing it when you're, you're doing that. It. So yeah. that's like five minutes, five big laughs. Boom, that's me. They played all the big five laugh moments that I was going to do that night. They stole your material for you? My video <laughs> my video got an applause and a standing ovation. Did it really? Yes. Oh, nice. So 
So then, um, because they cut it to better weight, they cut it together better than I did. They like trimmed your jokes and like touched it up, like they made it a professional stand-up yes. set. And you were like, "Wow, I could tell it like that." Yeah, it was like a shitty Michael Bay movie, and the editor is Da Vinci cutting a movie together, made it good. So, anyways, now it's my turn to go up there, and I did the exact same act because I feared of losing the thousands of dollars of scholarship. <laughs> and the audience, um, they weren't a fan of present me. Past me, they loved me. Past you killed. Past me killed. Past you had some tight jokes. Dude, past me could have got laid that night. I was celibate as a, oh, as a nun. I was, no one's ever come near me. And the judges were just harsh and cruel. <laughs> That's the worst part about oh, comedy. Oh, yeah. That's, no, here's the worst part. I forgot that America's Got Talent had judges. So I got off stage to go put my tail between my legs. But no, you can't leave. Why? Because these three judges have to judge you. They want to be mean to you in front of other people. Yeah. You have to, you have to let them. That's I, Comedy judges. Yeah. Comedy's so subjective, and it could be good one night and horrible the next night, which you found out because it literally well, was good the night before, but bad currently. I can um, say objectively, this was a bad night. <laughs> yeah. This is the only time where I can say comedy was objective. No, no. But, like, if, um, but, like, a, a judge, you don't need a judge because the audience is already, is judging you the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, if you do bad, you're not like, I wonder what the judges think. Yeah. No. I wonder, do I, maybe the judges saw some artistic value, the audience. Nope. They, they're just like, none of these people laughed. You're a bad person. Exactly. <laughs> So, and they, they ripped me to shreds. Uh, oh, I shouldn't, uh, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. <laughs> and the one was a ba douchey band guy. He was in a band. His song was featured on like a Gilmore Girl episode. <gasps> yeah. So like he was like, he was rolling dough. So yeah. he, a lot and he, less celebrated. And he gave, you. yes. And he gave the most hackiest joke ever that's used to this day. But he, but he's a musician. So you can go with the hacky joke. He's like, maybe that part where you say that, um, uh, priests are the nickelback of the Catholic religion because <laughs> this was during the Boston scandals. He's like, maybe you're the nickelback of comedy. <laughs> no, <laughs> the audience laughed hysterically. Now, and I wish the story ended here, but it doesn't because before I went on stage, people were psyching each other out, and the musicians left me alone. This one guy didn't leave me alone. <laughs> it was a juggler. What? He saw me as direct competition. <laughs> so he's juggling. He's like, how you doing? Oh, you know, I'm actually, see, my thing takes talent and skill. You know, you just get lucky with your little knock-knock jokes. Like, he's talking shit about me this entire time. And then he goes on stage telling jokes. He's like, wow, I can't believe I'm the funniest one here. <laughs> and then everybody gets a big laugh, and even the Nickelback judge is cracking up. And everybody looks over at my seat. Where at this point I'm just depressed. I'm literally the kid who got stood up at prom. Hey, I didn't have a date to prom. Anyway, oh, oh I went stag my junior year too. Don't worry, man. No, I went stag every. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's that was one of my. Oh, and the worst part is he tried to shake my hand at the end of the show and he messed with me because we were in front of an audience and he had one more opportunity to get a laugh. Oh, the judges. so he was juggling, right? Started juggling with one hand to shake my hand. And he did the classic, you know, you put your hand back into your hair, like, psych, not shaking your hand. The audience laughed, and I didn't. <laughs> did you punch him in the crotch? Please tell me you a punched one, him in no, his crotch. No, I didn't. But, like, but you can't juggle these balls anymore. No? <laughs> no? No? No, I didn't. I oh, too but bad. That would have been great. That was by far the worst bomb of my life. That's awesome. Easily. That's so great.
Oh my! I can't believe I've known you for like three, four years, and I got bullied. I didn't know that. I got bullied by a juggler. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! I used to have so much respect for you, but after that, oh, I wouldn't have respect for me either. I'm gonna start juggling. <laughs> I'm gonna just pick it up. Just pick it up. I learned a little bit in college, but now I know that if if I would just want to make you real angry, I just start I just juggling start... with one hand and go, "Hey, <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> Nickelback and just." Like, I'll just start having PTS moments. Yeah. Like, just oh, PTSD. PT. Like, oh, no. You just start crying for no reason. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Jugglers make me cry now. <laughs> I've never been allowed to enjoy the circus again. I never got. I never thought I'd live a life where I get bullied by a juggler, but it happened. It happened. Like, the whole time they were, bu- they were juggling a bowling pin, a uh, bowling ball, and a lunchbox. The whole time I was just wishing for that. I was wishing for something. I'm not going to say what it is. But uh, I was wishing for them, you know, to become maybe like a vegetable-ish. <laughs> oh, wait, that wasn't that wasn't coy, but I said it. <laughs> yeah, so subtle. I was going to be like so broccoli-like because it's a vegetable, but I'm like, ah, screw it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That happened to me. But, hey, it, uh, that sh- stuff happens, and I think that's one of the great things about comedy. Is it, comedy is an endurance. How much pain you could take and still keep going. It's a marathon. It's, it's like It's Rocky. a marathon. Oh. Hey, let's go hit you. You gotta keep going. Get back up. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you just a big man. You think I'm hurting you? Hey, like, nobody is gonna hit harder than life. But it ain't how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving and keep going. That's what we doing. I love Rocky. I oh, know that. Um, every movie. What's great right now is like I had a real awful impression, but your impression was actually better because you're losing your voice. Oh, it's better. So it sounded like you were really struggling to talk, just like Rocky. <laughs> um, Dude, I love it. Rocky. Rocky's inspiring. Oh yeah, I mean it's an underdog story. We that's everybody loves that because nobody feels. I don't think there's ever a moment where like you're walking in somewhere, especially in comedy, where you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna totally crush it, and I'm. The top dog. I'm like favored. It's like every time you walk in, you're like, it's a hundred of them versus one of me. <laughs> and I really hope that at least 10 of them laugh hard enough to make the other ones <clears throat> laugh. We're literally hoping for like just the crappiest odds in the world. Like, I'm going to take a few with me if I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh. going to make them feel shameful for laughing at my stupid, stupid jokes. Oh. So many fart jokes. I tell so many fart jokes for that. Uh, um, but, okay, so we got why you started. We talked about, you know, your worst show, why you keep doing it, the feeling of it and everything. You talked about, reason, like, things you've been doing so far, some of your accolades. Uh, we talked about your merch, Um Let's talk about, like, what, what are some of your best shows you've ever done? Like, oh, name, like, yeah. your, your most favorite show or the best feeling you've had after a show. Um, and then... Well, we'll see from there, but I, I definitely want to talk about your best feeling, and if we have time, and your voice is still there, like, talk about the process of writing, like, mm-hmm. some of your jokes, how that's changed over eight years. Um, yeah. But definitely, let's talk about your best shows. Um, Killing at the Comedy Cellar at Mojo's, which is the club I started out. It was originally called the Funny Farm Comedy Club, but it, it the ownership got changed over, and I stuck with the the location. Funny Farm left. I stuck with Comedy Cellar. But when I killed in their room, when it was called the Comedy Cellar, there was nothing better. Because I remember the first gig I got there, I did god-awful hosting. 
a few years later, you know, after getting really good, I had that audience. Like, you know that audience where you could say anything? You could say anything you want. You could start spouting out, like, chapters from, like, Karl, Karl Marx's books, and they are laughing like seals. Oh, you just won them over so hard that it's like... It doesn't matter what anything you do. Anything kills. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I had one of those nights, and it was it was just one of the best nights ever. It was one of those nights where you're like, God, this is why I, this is why I do comedy. I had one of those in Michigan. First time I was ever touring, I toured up in Michigan. And I was at a, I was at doing the TDC comedy night rooms. And uh, this was during the time where I was like uh, struggling to get the rural part, of, you know, trying to get those jokes down. You know I mean, trying to get used to the act, the climate of where I was. And the first two nights weren't that great. But that third night was the game changer. I murdered hard. And then every gig after that, was the same and it felt so it felt so good it just and it's like it, it it's it's a moment of you find out a piece of you you learn who you are on stage and you're like this is what yeah i'm a comic i'm a stand-up comic this is what i want to do this is it's in my blood if i stop doing it it's going to call me back to the stage the mic will chase me down i can run but i can't hide yeah and um yeah you can't it, it becomes more than what you do it becomes who you are and i think when that happens and it becomes that kind of sort of identity. It, it's it's the best feeling in the world. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of why you stick through it through the bad times. Is because you're just it's in your bones. Oh yeah. It's like it's embedded in your DNA. You get up there a couple of times and you're just like, yeah. oh, I have to do this. Even yeah. I remember talking to you a couple of times after you're doing those rural areas and you were you were struggling. And yeah. You told me like. Oh man, I've got to like rework my act and do this and do that and what's going on. I I don't know why this is struggling and then you called me back the next night and you're like, oh, "I did great." And like something clicked, yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember those times. Yeah. Um, and and you were a very good uh, support system and I've always been a good support system, you know, and um it's good to have a, a friend like you in comedy as well as in the real world with that. Oh, look at the sap. Oh. I'm going to start fanning my face. All right, cut the next three minutes out because there's dick sucking now. I'm blushing. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm so... Yeah. But... No, no, yeah. No, yeah. I got it. No, keep stroking my ego. It's okay. Yeah, I'm glad you call your ego your cock, but that's cool too. <laughs> you mean <laughs> cock my ego? Ah, I, I, I just, you're, you're... Listen, I killed on stage a little bit ago. I don't have to do anything now. I'm, at, I'm in that stupid high Yeah, now. yeah. Everybody on the podcast totally remembers your set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's... I'm glad you you remembered that part. So that's good. I'm feeling good. I'm on a high right now. I'm on a high. I'm yeah. A high. Um. And I think that's one of the things too. Like after and you were mentioning that like it's it's the closest thing you get to an addiction is doing stand up. Oh yeah. Um. And that's because like when you when you get off stage and everybody's laughing and liking you, it's it feels great. What um what's and so obviously when you get off stage and people go, you were great. You killed. That mm -hmm. feels great. Oh yeah. How much does it suck when somebody <laughs> comes up to you <laughs> know, after a bad show and goes, Hey man, um, you'll do better next time. <laughs> you, you ever that, that is the worst feeling ever. <laughs> that is like, that is basically me going like, if I ever do a 13 reasons why you just earned a tape. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's the like, I guess that's how bad it is. Like, like you just got a tape. You're the you know what? You're the last tape, the worst one, the one that broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back. That's your tape now. I um. So here's, uh, and I'm just gonna go on a side tangent real quick. I did a, okay. I did a set on Tuesday, and 
it was like Chris Rock does this thing that I heard when he's doing new material that yeah. he purposely doesn't build momentum. He'll like cut the momentum mm-hmm. and then he'll like like after one joke and then he'll like wait a little bit, act a little awkward or something, and then he'll start his next joke to like see how well they stand by themselves. Oh, that is such a good idea. So I did that on Tuesday yeah. and then when I got off stage, some guy's like Hey, so like how long you been doing comedy? <laughs> and oh, I was that's like, that's a fun question too. I was like five years. And he was like, Oh, like I had to told like some obvious lie. Like, why would you do it for five years? If you do it like that, <laughs> it's just like, why would you suffer that long? Why would you? Oh, like, yeah, that's, um, I find that's the fun. Like, Hey kid, don't worry. You know what? I got a joke for you. <laughs> You can use this one next time you're on stage. Oh, that's the... Here's, here's a skit. I got a skit. <laughs> oh, that's Get awful. Get over here. The oh, skit I... is like... That's like the worst word in the world. That's like when someone tells you, I got a skit for you. Hey, one of your, I got something for one of your little skits. Uh, when they call it little. Like, like a little skit. Oh, thank uh, you for degrading what I do. Yeah. I just wish that like... I just hope like one day we'll live in a time where... People do it to plumbers. Like the, the mother's like, hey, next time you're working on another house, I got something for your little skits. <laughs> like just demean or, or a lawyer. Hey, I got something for your little briefs. Because that's what a brief is called. I just got facts lawyer. I'm sorry. I, listen. You like start ruining the silly talk with like, I want to give you an actual fact here. All Everybody right. listening. I went to law school for a little bit. So because listen, if I'm going to have a moment, I die on a podcast. I want to be at least informate, you know, informative. So yeah. You'll be like, you know what? He might have sucked at that joke, but by golly, I know what a brief is now. <laughs> Real small underwears. Um, yes. Okay. So what, how writing process wise, what's changed in like the, the past eight years? Um, and well, even 12 or so, cause you mentioned that you've been doing writing for a really long time. I think one thing I, I definitely noticed like before getting on stage, and then after getting on stage for my first time, yeah. even just one time, your writing process vastly changes. But I, I know that throughout the years, though, it gets reformed little by little as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, explain, like, what's what worked for you? What did you start out doing? How getting on stage your first time changed it? And mm-hmm. then, like, what's what's been going on most recently? Um, okay, so, uh, so I, I used to overwrite, overwrite so much. The only reason why I was, is I was too young to be a stand-up at one time. I was under 18, so I couldn't perform anywhere. So I overwrote my jokes. And uh, I realized when I got on stage, consistently, they were overcooked. Yeah, you know I mean? It was just like, they were like, they were too jokey. You know, was, they were told with this jokey term, tone. Like, hey, you guys hear about this? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Punchline, da-da-da. Like an 80s comic. Yeah. And then, like, my sidekick, Andy Kindler's on the side going, you're killing it! You know? But usually that was my mom going, I regret you! <laughs> I paid for college! What the hell are you doing? So, anyways. <clears throat> so, uh, I would... So, I learned to write, and I, I wrote till I got a laugh. I wrote till I got to laugh. And then I realized, ooh, I need more laughs here. I gotta condense the joke down. My wee joke, when I first wrote that bit... It took about a minute to get the first laugh. Really? Yeah. And now I can get the laugh within five seconds. Yeah, it's a one-liner. Yeah, it's a one-liner. But yeah. I'd say I didn't know the concept of a one-liner. I knew I, I never wrote. So you, when you write, you learn to cut down syllables, cut down word economy, get to the funny fast. Uh, you know, use words. Use words that are necessary, not the ones that you want to use. Like, um, so I, you know, I was out when I wasn't supposed to. And uh, 
I sneak back in the house. You know, there's a lot of stuff I could say. I was like, I snuck back into the house because I was out late. That's all. They don't need to know I wasn't supposed to be out late. I was out late. I was sneaking out. There's little things I can cut out if it's not a big deal to the story. Yeah, like tr- yeah. trusting the audience a little bit to know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, and now, and so it's it's one of those things where you just learn, you know what needs to be said, not what you want to be, want said. Um, and then uh, I learned my writing process. And my writing process could be um, writing a story that's not funny and then putting in... Uh, jokes after certain facts. That's one of the things Christopher Titus does that I really, really like. Another way of doing it is trying to take a topic and, and write about what I think about it and be funny about it. Carlin, he used to write 10 pages of joke, for one joke, just 10 pages. It's like, I don't know if it's gonna be funny, but I'm gonna see what happens. Uh, another thing I'll do is riff on stage, I'll just riff. And I've been trying, I've been taking a page out of you, your book and Ty Moore's book, that I just take an idea and just riff and have a good time with it and see what naturally flows. Um, your writing will always change and develop. You'll favor certain skills of writing and then reject it later and then find another one and then come back to it. You, you grow as a human being. You're going to change as a human being and that ref- that's reflective upon your writing style. That's the best thing I can say about writing. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, performing style on stage, what have you noticed change? Because you're more comfortable, obviously, as the years go on, but have you noticed uh, anything different, like, of um, getting a persona, really yeah. realizing your voice, those kinds of things. Um, at first, I was loud and offensive. <laughs> Every, everybody is. Loud and offensive. That was year one. Year two, loud and thought-provoking. Then la- year three, loud and personal, when I really learned how to tell a story and start telling stories. And then year four through uh, six was learning the skill level of how to do it and how to be better at it every single time. And then in the seventh year... I, I have to say, I, I, I still am continuing to develop my voice. I realize I've gotten to a point where I've shook hands with my voice. I don't know it truly yet, but I've shook, I shook hands with it. I'm slow dancing with it. We're recording, you know, and uh, I, and I, I'll know when I really hit it. And, uh, and, that, and that, again, that's where comedy, you're finding out who you are. Finding that sweet, sweet G spot. Yeah, that, sweet, that sweet, sweet G spot. Sweet, sweet giggle spot right there. Listeners are like, did he just talk about fingering? <laughs> you just got to put your finger on that, well, just, that giggle spot and it's I did magical. Mean it. I didn't mean this to become a fingering uh, metaphor, but somehow it did. And I Don't let him lie to you, listeners at home. See, because because like when you find your voice, you're proud of it, and then you put it to somebody's nose and go, hey, guess what I did last night? I found my voice. <laughs> Remember that in high school, people used to do that? They did it to me. I hated my life. What? The seniors came up to me and go, hey, guess what I did last night? And they put their fingers by my nose. And it was terrible. It was, it was disgusting. I have no stories like that. Anyway. My nostrils going. had chlamydia. <laughs> Dude, don't joke. That's awful. That is awful, yeah. Yeah. You can get that in your mouth. You can? Yeah. God damn. Yeah. I'm a health professional. Listen to me. Um, so be safe. Uh, that was a moment of the show where we want everybody to be safe. And um, as I always tell my audience, uh, I always check if they're doing con- using condoms. I always say, clap it if you wrap it. Yeah. I do, and I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. Um, so let's go into, so persona on stage, I kind of told you what I thought you, you do, and you were like, yeah. Uh, I, I, I do believe that is a part of it. I really do. I think there's some other parts of it. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm over the top, dramatic, loud. <laughs> Um, You're welcome, by the yes, way. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I do um, make mountains out of molehills all the time. 
Yeah, which I, my, that's my whole act. I think a lot of comedians do, and that's why we do what we do. But yeah. Um, so, but you see me in real life, how bad I do it. Oh yeah. A lot of, I think the, the one thing you don't have yet in your act, which I think might be something funny you can explore is like your paranoia. Oh God. You always are like, somebody's <laughs> out to get me. They, they changed the coffee beans cause they knew I liked the old ones. Like it's, it's, it's they some, did. They're always out to get you. There's somebody who's yeah. out there trying to hurt you. Some invisible. Um, corporation yeah you're almost like a very old man watching fox news in that aspect you're I, like i agree on the that, stereotypical man. like old guy who's like oh the world's scary we should be afraid of everything and i'm just like jesse it's not that bad and you're like yeah it is i'm gonna tell you you're not story. looking at the right things watch my tv with me i'm gonna tell you the story i don't think i've told you okay cool so i'm staying at a hotel for one of the comedy gigs i was doing and um it was a nice hotel, really, really nice, and uh, they had a uh, soap dispenser in the shower. It's like shampoo, and it was it, it was beautiful. It was called the Islands Breeze, and I'm just hitting it because I'm I'm not gonna use my soap because I'm not gonna waste it. And it goes in my hands, I'm lathering it up, putting it in my face, putting on everything, hair and everything, and I'm just and then I got this weird fearful moment, like because the thing fell down and it opened up, and I saw the soap dispenser part. And I can access it, right? So I just decided I'm like. Somebody filled this with their jizz. That's <laughs> what they did. That's because you know why? Some psycho was in here before I was. It beat that, off that much. And I'm just soaping my eyes with his jizz. That much. That much. <laughs> that whole like they didn't just put a little in. It was the whole bag was because he he wanted because you know why? The guy was a purist. He needed to make sure it was a hundred percent semen in my eyes, not watered down with soap. He wanted a hundred percent sperm bank in my face. This guy wanted to give me a money shot without being in the room. That's what it was. And I'm still convinced of that. Because that soap is warm. That soap is warm. <laughs> I, I never had warm soap. Think about it, folks. Have you ever had warm soap? That was warmed up by the steam in your shower. Or I doubt that. Yeah. Dude, me, dude I, have, I had jizz I think on my you're face. 100% right. I, I think I was the one who put it in there. No. Uh <laughs> No, uh, but yeah, so paranoia, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think that's something you should definitely consider. But other than uh, watching out for Jizz Soap, what what's something you want to leave everybody on? What do I want to leave people on? Well, obviously, follow me on all my uh, social media, comic Jesse Pimpinella. If you go to jessepimpinella.com, all my social media is linked up there. Go on it, like, follow, subscribe. Um, see me live. All right. Mention that you listen to this podcast. Do it. If you mention that you listen to this podcast, uh, I will give you uh, a discount on my merch. I'll do that. On the koozie. On the cozies. On the koozies. And how much are they typically? Well, sometimes it depends on the city, very Because here's the reason why. Uh, usually they're $5. But if I fall madly in love with your city, like if you give me so much love and that, that I, I'm... I might just drop the price. I, I could be easily seduced. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's saying that you can get a lot of free stuff from him, ladies, and and <laughs> and men. Uh, anybody, just he needs the love. He's desperate point is for they're love. five dollars, but but all the I don't get to see it out to the proceeds, because what I do is um, the proceeds. Um, I actually uh, because my my girlfriend Sarah, uh, uh, who I hope is listening to this. Or she probably she probably listened to every one of your uh, podcasts, but then saw my name on. It's like Ugh, I'm gonna skip one. <laughs> I already gonna, know what he's gonna. She's say. gonna treat this episode like it's the fly episode of Breaking Bad. 
Nobody, because nobody liked the fly episode. I forgot you didn't see Breaking Bad. Sorry about that. But no. anyways, yeah, this is gonna be the one episode. This is gonna be uh, the Batman verse, the Batman and Robin movie. Everybody's gonna skip over this one. He, she's gonna skip over it. But anyways, um, I, I, because she supports me and I love her so much. She has listened to every joke. She's listened to it when it was bad, when it was good, when it was ugly. So I, I do very nice things for her. I take her out on dates and all that stuff to really show my appreciation, which. Guys, if you got a, guys, if you have a girl or a guy that takes care of you, take care of them. That's it. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. So sponsor his future dates and uh, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't. I guess maybe you know buy his merch so he can have happy endings. I don't know. But plus, anyway, hey, let's go. Plus, right now, current project is it's going towards an engagement ring. So yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty noble cause right there. Okay. Yeah. So um. You wanted to sell more merch, mm-hmm. as if we didn't do that three times already on this show. And then, uh, any any other closing words? Closing words. Oh God, I wanted to think of a good quote. I wanted to think of something, something amazing, but I don't got anything good. I would have to say, look, we we're all in this world together. Everybody, be considerate, be nice, love each other. Let's all have a good time and laugh. That's all. All my all my shows are about sitting around having a good time, laugh. I don't care. Which side of any argument you're on, which side you are, I just, it, when, when I have an audience, it doesn't matter what your political views are, your religious views, or your, or your prejudice, or whatever, we just, we all laugh, and then those moments, we're human, we don't care about what people believe, or this or that, and it, it's those things that divide us, and we need to just let go of those things, and just have a good time, and laugh, and just love each other, that's it, that's all, love each other. There you go, Jesse Pimpinella, desperate for love. Wanted, That's it. Wanted everybody to give more love, get some discounts, get more love, get that love and discount. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, this just became a dirty ad. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, um, we just talked about, you know, putting your finger on a giggle spot and, you know. Which, which you know. Uh, and, you know, paying for discounted love. Anyway. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> we'll end it there. Thank you guys for listening. Hey, thank you so much. This was Tyler's podcast. Thank you and have a good night. Good night. (laughs) Yay!